So welcome Liberty students and guests. This is the Renar Voice podcast, and we want to thank Jeff and Robert for creating this platform, and they have moved on in their professional lives, and Anna Behrend and myself, Erica Rhodes, are going to pick up the mantle and hope to do as well as they did. And today we're going to have our first episode as the new co-hosts, and we're going to be speaking with Dr. Mary Deacon from the CES program. And again, a little bit about Anna and I. Anna is a licensed professional counselor in Rhode Island, and she is also a previous guest from the Renar Voice in episode 39. So if you want to learn more about Anna, please check on that podcast. Um, again, my name is Erica Rhodes, and I'm a LPC in Pennsylvania. Um, while Anna is the president-elect of our Renar chapter of CSI, I am the treasurer. I graduated from Liberty in 2020 with my master's, and I'm currently in the PhD counselor education and supervision program. And we are so excited to restart this journey and introduce you to a lot of um, Liberty University faculty and people that we hope will help you along your journey to your counseling degree. Anna, go ahead and introduce our guest. Thank you, Erica. Well, we are so excited to be offering you this resource, and we really hope that um, this will bless you. And also, I'd like to just say before I introduce uh, Dr. Deacon that if you have any needs or some professor that you love and you feel like you want to, um, oh, that'll be great for uh, Renard Voice to interview this person, email us so we can, um, you know, serve you that way. So now for our podcast, we're so excited uh, when we've, Eric and I were discussing uh, who we should invite to be our first, both of us unanimously, we both thought of Dr. Deacon because she's just such an inspiration to us and, and her classes are so informative and inspiring. So there we go. So thank you, Dr. Deacon, for being here. So Dr. Deacon has been teaching at Liberty University for 12 years. She was the KCRAP liaison director of three of our master's programs, and, and she was the assessment coordinator. She specialized in counseling research, assessment, coordinator, leadership, assessment, accreditation, and career counseling. She has presented research findings in these areas at national and regional conferences. Her teaching and research interests include the areas of women, career development, gender equity, leadership, and implementing accreditation standards, ethics, and multicultural and social justice competency. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Deacon, for being here. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here. Great. So our first question, we want to know a little bit about your background story and how you got into counseling. So please share with us and let us get to know you a little bit better. Okay. I actually, um, counseling is, it was really quite a career change for me. Um, I graduated in um, 76, so I'll date myself. I'm going to be 69 this year. Uh, but I graduated degrees in um, chemistry, biology, and math. So, and I was a research chemist at Dow Chemical for um, several years. I, I was a stay-at-home mom and homeschooled my children. And when they grew up and I was approaching 50, I realized that it was time to um, switch careers. And it, it was interesting because I was not at all interested in 
going back to the lab, there was something that I thought, you know what, I want to do something different with my life. What was interesting, just as a side note, was um, I decided to pursue counseling. And I found out how significant that was when I took my first human development class because we started talking about the stages of life. And when they hit generativity and they were talking about how all of a sudden you want to start giving back, I, I had to laugh because I'm like, oh, that explains why I changed. And they also mentioned the fact that someone probably has a red convertible at that age too. And I had just gotten a, <laughs> a used one because I've always wanted a convertible. So anyways, that that's my little, um, that's my little aside. Um, I think I chose counseling because for one thing, counseling was really helpful for me. I'd gone through a, a series of, uh, you know, some, some pretty painful church experiences and, and counseling had, had really helped me. And I think that I realized that there were a lot of wounded people, particularly in the church, and that the level of counseling that we had wasn't sufficient to to really help. And so I wanted to, um, I think I think I just basically wanted to give back because I'd received so much from counseling, and I knew that there was a real need. I did apply to Liberty's. Um, uh, their online program in counseling, I, I had to admit uh, two things motivated me to do so. One was the fact that I, as I was on their website reading, I really liked the perspective of, of being able to integrate faith into practice. And the second one was is they didn't require GRE, so I thought golden. So I applied and started my first class, um, and the rest is history. I, I went through, um, basically got my degree, Practiced for a year and then went to get a doc, pro, you know, went to pursue a PhD in counselor education and then came back to teach at Liberty. It's wow. great, Dr. Deacon. That's beautiful. So when you said, well, you know, I. The one year that you were between the masters mm -hmm. and going, what made you then go to the doc to get the PhD? What was that that? a push that's interesting because i think a, a couple of, of events uh happened to me one in my um skills class the professor uh he he had gone and gotten his phd at, a, at an older age when he was 55 and he was talking about that and and i think the thing that resonated with me was he was saying you know i could continue to counsel and help one person at a time or i could train those who are counseling and then that's more of an exponential um impact and and i think that that there was something about that 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 really stuck to me and then i had some opportunities that that i really felt like god opened up for me to assist some liberty professors um once i got either got my degree or was in my you know when i was in my internship years uh to help with some of the the master's classes and so um there was something that just sparked something in me that I thought, I think between those two incidences, I realized that I, I, you know, I think I really want to teach. And then when I went into the, um, the field, I really enjoyed, I, I worked with addictions counseling, duly diagnosed um, individuals. And, then, and something just kind of switched where all of a sudden it's like, I can't see myself doing this. It, it was almost like the grace was gone for it. I had gotten enough hours to almost have my licensure completed. I finished those in my doc program. And so it was like, 
yeah, this is time to switch. They had, they had offered me a full-time job and I'm, I'm like, no, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go. What was interesting was I, I went to the University of Virginia and had I waited a year, I couldn't have gone there because I was the, uh, the last class of doc students they had. They closed the program. The doctoral program ended um, after our class came in, which was really sad, but yeah. Yeah, but also the timing was perfect for you. The timing was perfect, and I think that was the thing that struck me the most. How grateful I was um, mm -hmm. that, that God led me there. Yeah, I love that. I love that one sentence from one professor. You know, you can do that, the micro change one-on-one with your client, yeah. but you can, you know, and that stuck to you. And there you are doing exactly that because you teach uh, mostly the doctoral program, correct? Tell us the classes yeah. you teach. Uh, right now I teach um, leadership and advocacy. Uh, I, I teach the advanced career counseling class. And I also supervise the two internships, supervision, internship, and teaching internship. And I feel really blessed for that because where I am now, I, I think my identity has shifted more towards the counselor educator part of myself. And I think as I see out my career, it, it really blesses me to be, uh, you know, to be able to work with the doc students because now it's even a, a greater exponential event. I am now working with the people who are going to be working with the students who are going to be doing the uh, uh, the counseling. And so I, I consider it an incredible honor. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think too, it's amazing that you've been really open to God's leading in your life where, you know, the path that you started on didn't look like a counseling path. And yet you saw, you saw some open doors and you were willing to take it. And um, I think it's interesting too, that you just mentioned counselor identity and how your identity has kind of changed over the years. So we were kind of hoping that you could speak to that that development of counselor identity, maybe your journey and and how that may resonate with some of the people who are are listening today. You know, it's really interesting because um, I, th I think sometimes when we talk about identity, it becomes very uh, ethereal isn't quite the word I'm looking at, but it's something that we don't know how to define. And when I was in my DAC program, one of my professors had a favorite word. It was called intentionality, and that is a word that sticks with with me. Um, and that's intentionality, because what intentionality does is it forces you to make something concrete. And and what I realized is that I'd gone through a master's program, and I was at the end of my um, doctoral program, and I started working on a KCREP um, self-study. It, it was it was one of those things that I, I would not recommend for people in the last year of their doc program, but um, the old KCREP liaison had left, and so the, my dissertation chair happened to be the new liaison, and surprise, surprise, when you know, and our self-study was due at the end of October. And so we had our first dissertation meeting and then she went and started looking at what was done in the KCREP self-study so she could just simply finish it up and send it in and found out nothing had been done. And so I got drafted into helping her write this KCREP um, self-study. It was it was a, a fascinating experience. And, and this is one of the things that if I had encouraged 
you know, students and is when you let God direct your paths, it is really amazing where he takes you. And working on the self-study was probably the most profound educational and career altering thing that I did. Um, I'm just I'm just sitting there thinking I you know almost feel overwhelmed. I think by the time I got through with it, I realized how much I did not know went into a counseling program. And it struck me and it kind of saddened me because I'm I'm like, how could I have gone through all this time? I'm almost, you know, I'm ready for licensure. And and yet I had no clue how detailed our training was and, and how prescribed it was. Um and how integral that was to to our identity, and so when I came to Liberty, um, we, I was there for a couple years, and and it looked like we were going to get a green light to start the KCREP accreditation process. So I said, hey, you know, yes, I've got experience with um, writing self studies, and so I offered to, you know, to, to be their liaison, and um, that really again became probably the most driving force you know, in, in my career. And, and, and the reason I bring this up is that in reality, our, our, our identity is really grounded in, in our training standards. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's something that we don't think about as a profession, but we are a profession. We are a profession. You know, we're, we're not doing coffee cup counseling. We are a, a licensed profession. And as a licensed profession, we have training standards and, and accreditation agencies that set up our training standards. You know, we have professional development, we have code of ethics, we have our best practices. All of these things go into making us, a, as a, you know, making us a counselor. And I think we just don't all, all, oftentimes think about it. Think about everything you have to do to become a counselor. And you're sitting here now with those, you know, initials after your name that open the door. But how did that define it? What makes you unique? as as an LPC. And so those were all things that were, you know, that over the years I've been grappling with. And every time I teach a leadership class, it's it like it, it it's it's all it all becomes fresh again because this keeps changing and evolving and I keep getting more insight into it. And the more I understand about our professional identity, both as counselors and counselor educators, the more excited personally I get about um, us as a profession and, and what we really uniquely offer and how proud I become of our profession, you know, so. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing is that intentionality that you mentioned earlier and being intentional at knowing what the profession stands for and how you um, embody what you're learning and what what the profession demands to find your identity. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about the profession is moving really to a, a, you know, a multidisciplinary team, what is it that we bring to the table? You know, why should we have to be apologetic and, and, you know, we've been excluded, you know, we, we've had to bring our own folding chair to the table sometimes. Um, And I think the thing is, is the more we understand who we are and what we can contribute, then, then that emboldens us. to really take more steps. And when you think about things like us, you know, we can now build for Medicare. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 is that is huge. And that's been one of the joys is that I've been teaching a leadership class for about six years now and I get to revise my slides. I mean I always revise and keep my stuff up up fresh. But some of it is like, wow, I get to now add 
this is no longer something we're excluded from. And it's all because we become more and more um, defining ourselves as a profession. And I think that I see in students coming through, they have more of a, a, a clear sense of who they are as counselors. And with every iteration that we improve that or deepen that knowledge of who we are as counselors, then that's going to increase our, our field. Because at the end of the day, we have something important to offer people. You know, that's uniquely us as counselors. And, you know, and, and we just need to be able to articulate who, who we are and what we can bring and um, gain access to it. Yeah. Well, a lot of our identity is in, in what we bring to the table that others can't offer. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny because when my dad was, um, he, he was in one of those kind of like step up retirement homes. And then I can remember they had the office of the social worker and Social, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're better than social workers. I'm making no thing. We need both. That That's the whole thing is, is we, need, we need all. There's such a mental health crisis here. We need every every person that, that we can get to the table. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, because we can't build Medicare, look at all of the people that we're not able to help. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the demographics of our you know, of our country and the amount of people that are my age and older, you know, um, it, this is something that, you know, just this gives us access to help more. Mm -hmm. And then I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to circle back a little bit and said we're all becoming, we're all in the process of becoming and our identity personally and also the professional identity. Yeah. Because you said something in a class that I was with you that stuck with me, almost like that that um, that skill class professor. Yeah. And I would I would, and I have a quote because I wrote it down, and and I would love for you to elaborate because I feel like a lot of people who are listening could be the masters one that they are not sure yet what their professional identity is in 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 the counseling setting. But I loved what you said because it was so encouraging for me to just rest. And but I would love to hear from you because you you said this. We are all in a process of becoming. We are just as humans, as babies, as we are as adults. Yeah, and and I think I think you know we're a developmental profession, and we've got to give ourselves the the grace to basically learn how to crawl, how to stand how to walk, how to run. And I don't see those as you can't or you don't. I see those as just part of the natural development. You know, um, one of the things that, whether I'm working with doc students or master students that I always want to let them know, you, you know what, you, you, every, there's no, I don't, I don't see mistakes. I see the opportunities to become more effective in what you're doing. You don't know what you don't know. And I think the field of counseling is something you just can't sit down, read a book and do. You know, there's this cycle that we go through. It's called practice feedback, practice feedback, practice feedback. And you really see that a child just doesn't get up and walk one day. They 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 stand up, they get their legs firm under them, but they they spend a lot of time falling. But each time they get up, they're a little stronger and it takes a, it takes a lot of perseverance. But I also think it, it, it takes 
a lot of, of, of humility to desire to grow, um, to, to want to, um, I think it's important that, that we as counselors, we're going to be doing this with our clients as counselor educators, we're going to be doing this as students, is how do you provide, you know, a safe, supportive environment so people can try things out, make mistakes, if you want to call mistakes that you get, you got to try. You don't know what you don't know. It's like doing a math problem. You, you, you know, have you ever been in a class where the, the concept seems perfectly normal and then all of a sudden, you know, oh yeah, that's easy. That's easy. It's called agreement. You can agree with it, but then when you do it yourself, it's like, uh, dang, where'd that go? <laughs> you know, yeah, I know it's here someplace. Yeah, I know it's here someplace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, think, yeah, all, all your stats classes, that usually people don't have trouble <laughs> thinking that. But you have to just practice it. Practice, feedback, practice, feedback, practice, feedback. We're going to do that with our clients. But that's how we develop. And, and I think that when you think of, of your life developmentally, and, and, and a professional identity is the same as any other human identity, right. you know, you, you grow in it and you're going to go through stages. And um and it's giving yourself the grace. You know, it's really about extending a lot of grace to yourself and 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 in humility, just wanting to, you know, help me, help me to learn, help me to learn, help me to learn. Yeah. But what I'm hearing is growth mindset, that you are continually growing in your identity, continually um changing and learning more so that you can be better, but you're never you don't really arrive. And that's even what I'm hearing from you, Dr. Deacon, that you're not content where you are. You're continuing to learn, even, you know, changing your slides for each class as you learn more. And as things change, you're, you know, staying with um, current things and and learning as um, new ideas and new concepts come out. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I learned a lot from my students. I, I think that, um, Every time I teach a class, I come out of it a little different. I get different insights. I have a lot of flexibility in my classes because I really want to provide an environment where the students can really bring themselves in. Um, I can teach two classes in a semester, two intensives, and my second one will be different because of what I've I've learned and changed and grown in in, in my first. And um, and I, and I find that that keeps me, that keeps me fresh. You know, that sometimes students will bring in questions or issues that require me to stretch a little bit further, to think things through, to say, okay, this isn't working, so what, what do I need to do to, to change? I found that was the same, you know, process when I was going through the different KCREP self-studies. Mm -hmm. um, did five of them, which, you know, <laughs> which is a lot. Um, and my last one, was I mean, when, my last one I was the most proud of because every time I do it, I would learn a little more about how to do it better. And so even though, yes, the first one passed, got eight years, didn't mean that I knew everything there was to know about writing a self-study because I'm constantly getting feedback. Um, and, you know, by, by the end, I was really getting a lot of feedback. I've, I, I, I challenged myself to change, you know, and you also have to, you, there's just a lot of adapting that, that you have to do because the culture changes, um, school culture changes, students change. So yeah, you just really do need to be adaptable. 
which is a long answer to your question. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And I think that's a perfect um segue to uh what we want to talk next which is leadership and 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 leadership is uh what i'm hearing you saying is all you know that feedback loop and honor what you're learning and be humble enough to be you know to change and so tell us a little bit why you think leadership and advocacy actually are important to our profession and professional identity Oh, they're they're really critical because if you think about where we are now, and and history is important to to know the history of our profession. Um, we had a lot of individuals who weren't necessarily started out as counselors because the profession somewhat was 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 mushy. Um, I mean, we have our historic roots in career counseling, mm. you know. But as we're coming through, us as um you know as as a profession. Um, we're not that old. And we've had a lot of people that have brought us, you know, along, you know, along the way. Um, and one of the things that has developed along there is how do we do leadership in, in counseling and in counselor education? Um, if for the for the council, you know, for the counselor education side, leadership, leadership and advocacy is one fifth of the competencies that you have to hold in order to, you know, that 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 is part of what makes you a professional counselor educator is you look at our training standards and our training standards say that leadership is is essential. Um, but I think the problem with leadership is that it's it's so it tends to be socially constructed and in, in the the view, the traditional view of leadership doesn't fit the personality and the professional identity of counselors. Was fascinating is when I began to take the leadership class because again this is one of those things that I think you talk about leadership yeah you you know you're leader you're gonna you're a leader in the classroom you know you can be a department chair you can um, join professional organizations and lead there but it 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 was so much more and so when I began to um, uh, design and and then teach the leadership class I think one of my biggest you know, aha moments in there is when they talked about the concept of servant leadership, that that really in all the leadership models that we have, um, servant leadership, service, servant is is the missing is the missing piece. And I think, wow, as Christians, that's really awesome because, you know, servant leadership. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, he is he exemplifies and yet he, and he's also the great counselor. And so. To me, it was all of a sudden exciting that it, it really opened this door because I thought this makes so much sense because the essence and heart of servant leadership is it's really a matter of motivation. Who are you doing it for? Is it is it for the power? Is it to run things? Um, is it, you know, great, it's my turn at the wheel and I know the best route to take us? Um, or is it leadership gives us the ability to do good? Yeah. You know, um, when I was several times across the time, I was liaison for eight years and and every once in a while I would I would look to see, you know, is is this time to step down yet? And, and it was the same with with all the directorships. And um, one of the things that I really hesitated about stepping down, especially at about the halfway point was and I always feel uncomfortable saying this, but it, it was losing the power. And it wasn't the power to be able to call the shots. What what it was is is a, it was the power to be able to 
do good. You know, that I'd been, I'd gotten myself in a position where I was trusted by administration. And there have been several things over the years we'd always wanted to bring in. And because I had established, I guess, a sense of trustworthiness and, um, you know, integrity, it then allowed me to, to request and implement changes that were really needed. And, and that, that's a that's a powerful. Th- I mean that that's a that's a wonderful thing, and I think that's that's what it is. The minute that changes, uh, you know, it's it's time. I think it's time to step down because you're not doing it right. I would say throughout my entire K prep time, my biggest motivation was I knew how important that was to the students, and I was willing to to really work hard to to make that happen. I wasn't motivated by, let me show you how many, you know, programs I can get accredited and how good I'm at this. I was really motivated by our students really need this. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm situated in a position now where I can I can really help make that happen. And so it was it was the students that were the motivation. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's the heart and essence. So when you think about servant leadership, where is counselors or counselor educators? Do we not do that? Well, you know, we we are servant leaders in the counseling room. We are servant leaders in the classroom. You know, we're super lead. You know, servant leaders. You know, in in the clinics that we're at, in the school counseling offices that we're at. You know, we're, wherever it is that we're planted. Mm. And then I think the other piece of that is really the idea of mentorship, which again is a form of leadership. Um. And I see you, you know, yes. to ask you that. I was like, yes. I'm going to put in mentorship in there. I'm going to ask. And then you said it, you see. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it is because we lead by coming alongside. Yeah. I don't lead by pointing you in the direction and say, you go there, you go there, you go there. Um, when I think about the most profound agents of change and growth in my life, they were they were through relationships. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. You know, again, and so that that opens up the door because mentoring doesn't have to be a professor student. It can be one student to another student. It can be one, you know, one counselor to another counselor. In a lot of ways, it describes how we how we work with our clients, too. You know, we're there to come alongside them. And and help guide them in, in the journey. And because, you know, you know, because you've got the experience as a mentor, you, you know, you can do that. So, yeah, I, I, so I, I would say these are all aspects. So when you think about all these aspects, who's not a leader? Leadership is actually, it, 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 you know, is part of the core of our, of our identity. Now, it's going to look different for a counselor educator than a counselor. And you can see that reflected in the training standards. But it, it, it's, it's really a part of who we are because we're servants and um, I, I think mentors. Yeah, and. I was thinking too, like that that journey that we're taking together, whether it's as a counselor or a counselor educator, you know, the the journey is us walking together in this helping profession where we're maybe just a couple steps ahead of the person that we're helping. And we don't have to have all the answers. We just have to be there for their next step and help them discover, you know, the path that God has for them next. Yeah. And and it's interesting because again, as counselor, you know, we practice the gift of presence is is one mm, of the biggest yeah. gifts that we that we offer. Um, 
you know, I, I think about what Jesus wanted in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, he wanted presence. That's all, that's all he wanted from them. And we offer that. And, and you can offer that regardless of your your level of experience. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I think that, that, that's a, that there's that quiet assurance that says, you know, yeah, I understand how you feel. I know you can do it. You know, you're panicked about your, uh, you know, I think of two major exams that, that, that are significant in whether doctoral or master's. And that's, you have the comps, the comp exam and at the master's level, and you have the QE um, for the, for the doc qualifying exam for the doc students and how often the best person that can tell you, Hey, you know, this, this is some, you know, this is some ways you can do it. Um, I did it, you know, blah, 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 are, are your fellow students. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's beautiful. I was going to say, you said that there's different standards for the masters and docs. And, and I actually mm-hmm. did a, a, a word search on the word leadership for the masters one. And it is actually almost not there, just under one little thing under group. So um, why do you think that is, that, that there's no much of a leadership standard for the master's level? Well, I, like I think in, explicitly, I think is implicitly there, but not ex, as explicit as in a doc. Well, because when you think about what a counselor needs, you know, if we're talking about the professional development of a counselor, th- their main principal role is to work with clients. Mm. And so we need to make sure that they have the knowledge, skills and dispositions to be able to work ethically and, you know, competently, you know, with, with our with our clients. And so. When you look at the KCREP standards, they have, you know, you have eight core competencies, which, you know, for for students, for the master's students, when you think about these, those core competencies, your 500 level classes, um, and, and and you need all of those. They're not they're not gen ed classes. They are really the foundations of of who we are as counselors, and they provide all the the building block. And then we have our what you know, our, our professional one would you be the practicum internships, because you know you you have to get professional practice in there, and then you have the specialization areas, and so that's where you you, you know whether you're a school counselor, marriage and family counselor, or a clinical mental health counselor, the 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 skills that you need specific for that are taught in those classes. All of those together help you to um to provide competent ethical treat you know treatment to 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 your your clients and 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 that's that's what that's what our principal piece is if that makes sense um out of that we also though want to make sure that they're advocating right. you know it, it's it's I, I when you look at the multicultural and social justice competencies you, you really see in there a lot of the you know the leadership and advocacy and you're right, it is it is more implicit because it's a different level of practice or it's a different type of practice. Once you get to the PhD program, you're now talking about taking someone who has already that professional identity as, 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 as a counselor in whatever specialty area they're in. And now you're going to, they're not going to get a, a doctoral degree. Um, and so that's 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 a different stretch. I mean, because when you look at the counseling competencies for the doctoral students, they it's it's mainly theory, you know, theory, ethical practice, multicultural competence. 
Um, but it's all the other things that, that we need on top of that, because we're tasked with a, a, a different, I hate to use the word level because that kind of, important, but it, it, we're, we're tasked with, we have a different task as a counselor educator. You know, so you're going to be the one that's going to be working with the, the counseling students. And so as far as the profession goes, you need to have a more active active view because again remember it's as built on your your you know counseling professional identity does, does that answer your question yeah i like it i yeah it makes sense because my mind was going and i know we need to start wrapping land the plan plane here erica so i don't want to open <laughs> yeah. a can of worms but my mind was since it is a developmental the leadership mm -hmm. thing perhaps it would be very uh you know why not start on a master's level, but made sense. No, 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 Anna, there's those eight areas of competencies they need to really work on. And 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 it and it is in implicitly there, you know, um, especially as you said, you know, the most agents of change and how you can mentor and the relationship part. And that's yeah. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Yeah, what they do in the counseling room is very much in, inherent in that. It's just that we right. have different roles. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I think we're we're leading by example as counselor educators and and the master's level students are coming alongside and learning those leadership skills that they can apply in the counseling room. And that kind of brings us to the leadership of Dr. Deacon. And our our kind of closing question was, what do you want people to remember about you and your legacy? As you have led us, um, what would you like to um kind of leave for everyone to think about. Well, that's a, you, you know, it's, it's interesting because when I, when I saw that, that question, I'm like, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, in some ways, I'm not sure how to, 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 to answer that specifically. Cause I, I think if I think about my legacy, I, I hope people see a kind person who really cared, mm. you know, mm -hmm. um, that's the, I, I think that that's the biggest piece you know, I, I want my students to know that I that I care for them and that I'm invested in them. Um, I, I'd like to think that I left the profession. You know, I, I am proud of what you know I was able to bring to the department as Kate Cripp liaison. Um, I, I thought it was really interesting because I, I've actually all, all those skills that I had from my former life as a research chemist. I you know, in a lot of ways, I I brought that into the that was really instrumental in helping me to be liaison. Um, I do consider that part of my legacy, mm -hmm. um, but not, not for getting a, a gold badge on that, but for knowing that the students that are coming in are, you know, they're, they're coming to Liberty because we're KCREP accredited. And that, mm -hmm. that just opens so many, that opens so many doors and, and that, that just really, that really, that really blesses me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, but at the end of the day, to me, it's still about relationships and mm -hmm. what I hope that I leave with my students. So. So what I hear is your, is your presence that you mm -hmm. wanted to give yourself, be in relationship. Yeah. And journey with your students and colleagues yeah and and you know and it, it's interesting because um when 
I, I hear the I, I hear Harriet's voice in my head with intentionality, and I'll have doc students come up and say, "Yeah, I hear that. You know, this is coming up, and I hear your voice in my head." And, and I realize that that's part of our legacy is that our impact that we have on other people changes them, and then they're going to change others. Mm-hmm. You know, as a result, and and um, as I'm approaching the end of my career, I, I do feel very satisfied in that. I think I, I think I'm leaving with integrity, you know, once I, once I close out my career. Oh, what a beautiful feeling and something to yeah. say, like I'm ran the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. I want to, I, I want to attest to how being under you in classes, how inspirational it is and, 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 and you are a servant leader, even when you answer, even when, as you, correct and answer and and put your inputs in our papers and things we write. We're just always poor of yourself. And it's something that we're very blessed. And we want to actually thank you for all you did for KCRAP at Liberty. We, Erica and I, and thousands of others (laughs) are reaping the benefits from that. So we thank you. We really do. And one thing we didn't mention as much was advocacy. Perhaps we can have you again. Uh, or you can just say, because one thing you've encouraged me personally to uh, be hyper aware of how important that area is in a counseling profession. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think I, I that's almost like a topic, a full topic on its own, because I, I don't think you can talk about um, advocacy without social justice and without multicultural competence and 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 you know my parting statement on that would be is that i'm so excited about the multicultural and social justice competencies and and i think that we're just beginning to scratch the surface as to how what a profound change that that's going to make on you know make on the profession right so we're just going to have to have you back in a couple of months or so Yes. And I think of the the verse where Jesus says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And I believe that advocacy piece is is really loving our neighbor. Right. Yeah, I, I believe Jesus was the biggest champion for for right. social justice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, and I and I and I believe that, you know, what what we're learning is that we need to learn to know people enough to know what it is that they need and not what we think that they need. And and I would say that that's probably the biggest, which is why it becomes a whole nother conversation because it is so easy to let me tell you what I think you need rather than let me really get to know you and understand your life. And what is it that you need, whether I understand that or not. Oh, I love that. I think that's, it's a beautiful way to just almost leave that hanging for us to think and how that also exemplifies your what you just said like you know i i'm a, I'm a servant leader so let me hear yeah. you let me yeah. receive from you and that feedback loop again yes yeah because that, that has that has been an, I, I know that has been an issue in the past and and i think it's something that we as counselors are 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 uniquely situated to to bring because we are person-centered and um Mm -hmm. you know who we are in in our whole approach 
really is, you know, being person-centered means that they're the ones that, that get to direct it. And that includes, you know, what, what do I really need? Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Deacon, for making this first episode that Anna and I host so easy. It was just, as usual, a lovely time to have a conversation with you. And we hope that um, our listeners will really appreciate all that you've had to, to give us and all the pearls of wisdom. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I've, this, has been very, this has been very fun. I've enjoyed it. Thank you, Dr. Deacon. Thank you so much. And we are super thankful. And please, uh, those of you listening, give us feedback in what you want to hear next. And Eric and I will do our best to um, serve you that way. So thank you so much. Absolutely.